Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Simple Church. My name is Aaron DeLong. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to say thank you so much for being with us this Sunday as we continue in this series called It's Complicated. This is our relationship series this year and uh, super excited to bring it to you because, man, if we would say anything about our relationships today, we could definitely say that they are complicated. But the good news is that they don't have to be in that. And so uh, we are taking a look at that in this series. Before we jump into that, though, I want to just take a moment to say thank you to everybody that reached out to us, that called, that texted, that sent a message, that checked in on us, dropped off food, uh, and just made going through a season of having COVID in my household between me and then later my wife having it as well uh, through that extensive quarantine period. Say thank you so much for all your love and uh, your prayers and Whitman that really just uh, touched my heart and uh, and my wife's heart as well. So we just say thank you so much. We're both doing really well. I still have like this lingering cough and a little bit of, uh, of um, I don't know, fatigue, uh, but my wife is doing really, really well. So again, thank you so much. We love you guys and appreciate your prayers and your thoughts and, uh, and your care and concern for us. Uh, we are on the men, bless God. So, all right, well, let's jump into our series with our key verse that we'll look at every single week, and it's from Romans chapter 1, verse 21 through 25, and I, and I share this key verse because I really feel like it captures the heart of where we're at and why things are complicated, why our relationships are complicated. It says this, it says, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. So what they're describing here is a church uh, in in uh, Rome, and the, the, the Christian church and in the, in the Jewish believers in Rome, and uh, they, they had a relationship with God. They knew him, right? Like they read scripture, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him. And it wasn't about singing. It was that they wouldn't give God the proper place uh, or priority in their lives. In other words, they wouldn't let God be God. They were more interested in, in God and the form of who they were and what they wanted. They wanted God to match their desires and their lifestyle. And they wouldn't make God's ways and, and his right way of living uh, a priority for them. And so they wouldn't even give him thanks. And as a result, it says they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused, which is what happens when we become God. Because by the way, you and I are terrible gods. When we have control, when we do things our way, it leads to confusion, complications. It says claiming to be wise, here's what happened. They instead became utter fools. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. And here's the sticking point. Here's what happens to us. And here's how we go through life and in our relationships and wind up in complication station. It says they traded the truth about God for a lie. They accepted a substitute. They, they traded the truth that God has from, in other words, his way of doing things, his right way of living our lives. They traded what God had for them, the creator of the universe, and exchanged it for a lie. And so here's what we're doing in this series as your pastor. I'm just taking some time to speak some truth into the lies that we have uh, accepted into our life. Because man, when you know truth, the Bible tells us that truth sets us free. Lies keep us 
uh, keep us bound up at complication stations, specifically in our relationships. So here's where we've kind of been already. It's already been on just one week, but uh, last week we took a look at purity in our lives, specifically through the lens of our sexuality. And I would say that the biggest takeaway that I have from from our key verse, and even from last week for me, is is a phrase that I, I kind of think is humorous, but I think it gets the point across is that God rules and humans drool. Yeah, there it is. No, seriously though, God's ways are best for us. He is the creator. We are the created being. And wouldn't you just think that the one who created us would know what is best for us in every area of our life? But when we start, when we exchange his ways for our ways, what happens is we exchange truth for a lie and things become complicated. His ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. And his ways, they don't match our ways. And oftentimes what we, we have is, is God's standard that exists in his word versus what we want in our lives. And we want to lower God's standard down to our lives, making us God. When really what we need to do is make sure that God is, is the one that's in charge, that, that we rise to his standards and that we, that gap between what we want, how we feel, how we're passion, where our passions want to take us, that we need to rise to his level of standard for living and not the other way around. We must learn to yield if we want to live our best life and the best life that God has for us. Last week, we, we just simply talked about yielding to God in our purity, specifically our sexuality. This week, I want to talk about the complicated season of the single life. Every year, uh, people, whenever we do this relationship series, the single people talk to me. They pull me aside and they say, you know what? I feel like I'm the minority. I feel like, you know, you're talking to everybody in this series, in this relationship series, except me. Uh, there's not a lot of series out there, Pastor Aaron, that, that talk to me, the single person, and I feel kind of isolated. I kind of feel alone. I feel like I'm in the minority. And I just want to encourage you single people that for the first time in American history, 2020 marked the first year that single people are the majority in our country. That's right. More than half of the people in our country are single. And on top of all that today, well, it's all about you. In fact, I know that that we are in the week before Valentine's Day, and so maybe I can help some of you single people out. Maybe I can make this coming Valentine's Day a little better for you by a show of hands in the comment section, or maybe you know, whether you're in our online campus or whether you're on Facebook, maybe just throw up a hand and say, hey, I'm a single person here today and I'm ready for this. And, and maybe another single person in the group will, will take note and ask you out and maybe maybe you'll continue to date and maybe you'll get married and maybe you'll name your first child after me because I'm the one who helped you out this Valentine's Day. I have no idea, but, but, but either way, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. And then maybe I'm not, I don't know. Go ahead and throw your hand up and say, I'm a single person here. But what I want to say is that a season of singleness can be dark. It can be a very confusing time in your life. But I need you to understand that it doesn't have to be complicated. That God's desire for you and my desire for you as your pastor is to see you brought out of a dark and confusing season of the complication that is singleness. And I just want to say this, that as we talk to the single people today, today actually has something for everyone. I, I fully believe that for uh, that this message is for single people. I think it's for parents who are raising kids. I think it's for anybody who mentors other people, whether they're single or dating. Uh, I, I think for anybody who has friends, 
uh, that, that are in this season. So if you're married or you're single and you've got single friends uh, in this season, I think that, that this message is for you. I think even the married people are going to gain something from this because I believe this truly, that in our relationships, relationships are one of the number one ways that God moves in our lives. And I believe that God wants to do something either in you through this series or through you in this series. Let me say that again, that God wants to do something in you through what we're talking about today, or he wants you to grab a hold of the content because he wants to do something through you for someone else. So my encouragement today is for you to stick with me, okay? Because none of you are tuned in today by accident. Can I get a good amen out there from everybody? Like truly believe that you are here on purpose for purpose. And I believe it's for you or for God to do something through you. Now, as I prep for this message, I've had a great time just kind of thinking back on my single years because I've been married now for 16 years. And, and, and many of you, I don't know if you know this or not, but when I was in my 20s, I was married for just under a year um, before that relationship fell apart and, uh, and we divorced. And so I've, I'm on my second marriage that has been, uh, that God has blessed. And we've been together for 16 years. And, and so both pre-marriage and <clears throat> uh, both times, uh, pre-marriage and post-divorce, uh, I, I just began to reflect on all that time and think about my single time because it's been a long time since I've been single. And so I even asked questions of people that I knew uh, were recently married or are still single. And I just had great conversations and I found, found some answers to share around why being single is complicated today. And so I just want to share those things real quick, and then we'll jump into uh, how we respond to the single life. But I think the very first thing that makes uh, single life complicated is the single status. Uh, It's complicated. You know, when you attach single to anything, it complicates it. Like if you're single and not dating, that's complicated. If you're single and dating, it's complicated. If you're single and you're in your senior year in high school, it's complicated. If you're single, single after college, it's complicated. If you're single in your 30s and your 40s, it's complicated. If you're single again, it's complicated. If you're single with kids, my goodness, it's complicated. And I think that these, the, the attaching the word single to your relationship status, no matter what it might be, comes with a whole lot of baggage that complicates it even further. These social stigmas that exist, that, that if single is part of your descriptor, then something's wrong with you. And I feel like single people experience an undue pressure to be anything but single. They experience this from their family, uh, from, from, and, and, and they have uh, a tendency to want to avoid the conversation that they know is coming. Whether that's at family dinner or at the holidays, they know that there's going to be somebody that, that is, just wants to catch up with them. And the thing that they want to hang their hat on and the conversation they want to have with that single person every single time is, tell me about that special someone you're seeing right now. Do, do you, is, there, is there anybody that, that's on your radar is, is there, is there somebody that you're dating? Is there somebody you got your eye on? And for the single person, there's a whole lot of emotions that come with that answer. Because to constantly have that be the focus of the conversation, to have that be the one thing that the people care about. Maybe it speaks to you. And maybe if you're in this season, you feel this, but you might wonder, begin to wonder and have the emotions attached to the questions of what's wrong with me? Why, why am I still single? Is it my background? 
Is it, is it where I come from? Is it my family history? Is it, is it where I grew up? Is it the high school I graduated or the college that I went to? Is, is it my baggage? Is it the mistakes I've made? Is it the, 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 the things that life has handed me that are not my responsibility? Is it, is it my body? And there's a whole lot of weight that becomes attached to this conversation. We begin to fill in the blank, if you will, to, to answer the question of, why am I single? And the weight of all of that we, we, is a lot of times attached to lies that complicate the single status even further. You know, I, Shanda, my wife, um, before she and I got together, she was single and pregnant. And that's complicated. And to avoid the conversation, to avoid the emotions, to avoid the, the, the random person that she knew that would see her in a grocery store or when she was out and about, she would wear a fake wedding ring because the weight of those conversations were difficult. And so she never got asked that because they saw the ring. They just talked to her about being pregnant and the being and the joys of it. And, and she enjoyed that much better. She avoided that and even went so far as to uh, wear a falsehood on her finger ring so that people didn't ask the question. But you know, it's not just family and friends that ask the questions. It's also environments that we provide at church too. I, I would say that the church has not done a great job at coming alongside of singles and partnering with them, linking arms with them, doing life with them. Instead, what we want to do is help them get to where we are. We want to help them get married. We want to help them have kids. We want to help them do what we believe is moving on and taking the next step in life. And, and, and so what we do is we come very well-meaning. But as a church and as church people, we, we talk to our single peoples and, and, and we say, you know what? It's okay. It's all right, little buddy. In the Lord's time, it'll happen. Which feels really great and is totally true fundamentally. We get that, that sure, it will happen in the Lord's time, but that doesn't help when you're in the, 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 the confusing, complicated state of being single. Or maybe even you'll get some advice like, you know what you should do? The best thing you can do is just run your race with Jesus, man. And while you're out running your race, look to your right or look to your left, and you may see a person that's running alongside you that you're attracted to, and that'll be the person. Which, in and of itself, again, not bad advice, but it's not the right advice for every single person. And what does that even mean anyway? It seems so very out there, so metaphorical. Or what about this one? As a church, we, we tell them, you know, well, you know, just keep on dating Jesus. And again, <laughs> it's a great idea. But what does that even mean to date Jesus? The barrage of questions and advice aren't helpful to singles. Church, what we need to do is create environments where we lock arms with them, where instead of looking at their singleness, we just choose to honor the person that they are and honor the position in life where they're at and just choose to do life with them. This would be way more helpful than trying to help them move past this station of being single. Can I get a good amen out there from everybody that's listening? Just share over in the comment sections. It's already a complicated season, being single. They don't need us making it more so. So here's what I want to do. I, I want to help you out with a few of these things, a few of these answers I found in the conversation. So the first, of course, is the, the singleness issue, attaching that title to, uh, to, to any of your statuses. The, the second issue and what makes you know, being single in this time frame complicated is defining dating. 
defining dating. You know, we live in a time of rapid change where, you know, a, a word doesn't mean what the word used to mean anymore. Slang becomes the standard and, and we have difficulty communicating with each other. Like, you know, my, my kids, I have three teenagers uh, in the house, or at least I, I did, I guess. I've got two teenage, teenagers in the house now, but you know, growing up and when they were all in high school, they would say things to me that I had no idea what they meant. That language patterns are constantly changing and, and dating is one of those things that, that has actually changed a lot within the last few years. In fact, when you look throughout history, there's really only been three major iterations or a pathway to relationships and marriage. And, uh, and, and I'll share with them. Uh, one is from the, the days of yore. <laughs> this, this time period is, is when dating would have been called uh, calling or courtship. And this time, this, in this time period, uh, the, this relationship, this marriage relationship was oftentimes initiated by the parents and was motivated by property, motivated by money or cattle. And there was these things called dowry. And they were really not interested in whether or not the people were compatible and would be a good fit. It was more about whether their families would benefit from the union of these two people. And so there was arranged marriages. And in the days of yore, that was a very popular thing. And that's how things got done. And then, of course, in the time period of yesteryear, which actually wasn't too long ago, that 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 we started calling, instead of calling it courtship or calling uh, we, we called it dating. And, and really this, this took off with the, the widespread availability of automobiles and, and it was more male initiated and, and it was all about going out and, and hanging out and spending time doing things and activities. And of course, you know, that led to problems in and of itself. But today, <clears throat> dating has taken on a, a whole new meaning and, it, and it's been in the last few years where dating isn't called dating anymore. It's just called hooking up. Where, where, and, and the way to do this is just to swipe right and wait for a match. Or, or they call it, hey, let's, let's just Netflix and chill. Which, by the way, if you've been saying that as a parent to your kids because you heard that and that sounds desirable to you to just sit and watch Netflix and chill, please understand that it does not mean what you think it means. It is not about binge watching your favorite TV show and chilling. It means hooking up. That's what it means. So all you adults who have been using it improperly, just stop it. You're making all the young people uncomfortable. I remember the first time I said it, my kids looked at me and said, gross dad, we do not want to Netflix and chill with you. And I didn't understand. I understand now. And now you understand as well. But dating has, has lost its meaning. And nowadays it's all about just hooking up. It's all about sex. It's this base animalistic uh, a need to that when they feel lonely, they want to feel something and sex has become the answer. So attaching single to your statuses and defining dating has become complicated. And even the social space has made things, has made being single complicated. Social media is totally useful and you all know how I feel about it. You know how I interact with it. If you follow me on any of the platforms, you know that I don't post that often. And when I do, it's, it's, I, I try to make sure that it's impactful, that it add, adds value. Or, but, but for the most part, I, I think social media is useful, but, but it's not always helpful. I, I think more often than not, social media leads us to a comparison trap where, where we begin to look at everything on social media as, as the, the pinnacle of what life is. The problem is, of course, you know, with social media is that nobody posts their worst days. Nobody posts uh, their, their common mundane life. What they do is they post everything that is picture perfect. That means their family. That means their outfits. That means their dating, their house, their dog. 
Everything is perfect. And, and, and the problem with that is, is it leaves some of us singles looking at that dating relationship or that, that relationship goals or those, those things, looking at those things and just feeling like I'm never going to have that. That looks so far beyond anything that I can achieve. Or the other part of social media that is, that is really problematic is the fact that you can find people who are out there glorifying a party culture. It's this irresponsible living where they're like, I can do anything I want to with my money, with my body, with my time, with my resources, and they're glorifying it, making it look like it's amazing. And you get to see, you get to see the drinking, you get to see the partying, but you don't get to see is the aftermath. What you don't get to see is the brokenness. What you don't get to see is the walk of shame. What you don't get to see is the hurt and the insecurity and the pain that comes from this irresponsible living. What you don't get to see is what happens when life finally catches up to that way of living. What you don't get to see is all that. And so here's the thing. Perfection is glorified and irresponsible living is glorified. And both of these become the standard for what a single life should look like. And singles don't know whether they should pursue relationships and marriage. Should they pursue the, the, the American dream and the house and the dog? Or should should they just pursue what what seems like a lot of fun? Because Let's be honest, if you live that lifestyle, you know that it was fun for a season. But all of this being unable to decide what would be best between the impossible standard of perfection or irresponsible wild living, which leads nowhere, leads people where they find themselves in 2021 in a place of hurt and hesitation. Man, I would tell you that a lot of people today, if you would just ask them, they'll tell you they feel stuck. They feel confused and unsure. What's the best pathway to go? What's right? Not just for me, but but what is the other person wanting to? Like, is the other person that I'm connecting with that I'm going to date or try to date? Or if I have a standard for dating, but it's difficult for me to find other people who have the same standard as me because of these environments, because of what's glorified, because of the options that are out there. It's difficult. And they just feel stuck. They feel hurt because what's wrong with them? And they're hesitant to step out and to follow God's best for their life because is that the best way? It doesn't seem like it. It seems like everybody else is doing something different. Today, I believe God wants to offer some clarification to you single people. In the middle of the hurt that you've been experiencing, in the middle of your hesitation, I believe that God has answers found in his word to uncomplicate the single life. This past week in preparation for this message, I took to social media and I asked a simple question and uh, I'm going to read you some of the responses to the question of what's the most complicated thing about being single in the world today? Here's some of the responses. The first response was hookup culture, social media, and unrealistic relationship expectations. Another young lady chimed in. She said, most single people have subscribed to hookup culture. They aren't looking for anything serious or long-term. Another portion of singles are subscribed to online dating culture where they have literally made it so people aren't satisfied unless they are talking to multiple people, which makes it all the easier to keep looking for the next best thing and ghost whoever is left. The 5% of the people that are left are mostly emotionally damaged from the aforementioned dating culture and are too afraid to get hurt. And about 1% of the people are just out there doing their best, waiting for God to send them someone. Hmm. Do you feel the pain of that? Do you hear their heart? Another person said, uh, and, and this was a response from one of our missionaries, which I'm so thankful for Kirsten chiming in. She said, 
getting other people to understand you're complete on your own. You don't need someone else to complete you or make you happy. She said, I've had so many people tell me that God told them my future husband is on his way. And it's rather hurtful because I'm very happy being single. I love my life. One of my buddies chimed in and he said, age, age is a real challenge. He said, people are so jaded by the trials and tribulations that come with experience. It makes it very hard to open up to someone new. Another woman posted, starting over and trusting someone with your mess. And yet another response was, feeling like you're missing out on something, but you don't know what that something is because you feel fulfilled as you are. Yet you come to believe that something is missing because you're single. These are real responses. And to everybody who gave them, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for, for sharing your heart. Thank you for being vulnerable with us. Because if you look at these comments, you'll see what's happening. is that there is an enemy behind each one of these comments. An enemy who has been sent to destroy them with his lies. To keep them hurt. To keep them hesitating from pursuing God's best for their life. And the truth is, no matter what, God loves you. He has a plan for you. And this season of singleness that you're in, God's not surprised by it or any of this, the mistakes that you've made in the middle of it, prior to it, or even that you'll make after it. Those mistakes, I, if I can just be honest with you, they don't matter to him. Do you know why? Because Jesus paid the price for all of those mistakes already when he died on the cross. He already paid the price. God is concerned about your, your going forward, your next, your tomorrow. So here's how I want to finish today. I want us to look at what the Bible has to say about singleness. To derail the lies, we have to have truth. And there's no better place to look for truth than in God's word. In, in, the, guy who in the God who created us all, his ways are best. His ways are the ways that we need to yield to. And his ways are the ways that we need to rise to. Now, when you look into the Bible, there are two people who write or talk about singleness the most. And first of all, uh, it's Jesus, which that's a great, a great person to lean on and to look at his life. Jesus lived a single lifestyle. As far as we know, we have no indication through scripture to, to believe or to know that he was in a relationship with a woman at all. Uh, not that he didn't have friendships with women, but, but that he was not married. Uh, and, and the other one is the apostle Paul and uh, we're going to use the Apostle Paul as a source for, uh, for, for his single years at, to, to glean some information from and, and to see a vision for, uh, for the single life because Paul was not married and he actually spoke to this and he used, uh, used the pattern that Jesus set and, uh, and, and I really think you're going to benefit from it. So here, here's the key verse for the single life from Paul. It's 1 Corinthians 7 verse 7. It says this, but I wish everyone were single just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. Man, that's a heavy contrast to modern day culture, isn't it? Because Paul's looking at the single life and elevating it. He's calling it a special gift. And I don't know about you single people today. I don't know if you would talk about your single life as being a special gift from God, but that's how Paul talked about it. But in Paul's culture of that day, marriage was something that was elevated Having children, having a family was elevated. And, and marriage, by the way, scripturally, God tells us to, to find a spouse. It's, it's a gift and, and all the married people can say, yeah, say amen, right? You share it in the comment section that, be, that being married and having a spouse is a gift. Uh, <clears throat> and it's a beautiful thing, but it's not better. 
that, that Paul's culture and even today's culture, we elevate this being married, this being married and having 2.5 kids and having a perfect house and having a dog as being better than being single. And Paul says, hey, let's level the playing field and let's look at both as beautiful. Both are a special gift from God. Neither one is better. And I think that's powerful. It's still true today. Both marriage and singleness are gifts. And God has plans for each. So here's what happens in, in the same chapter. I'm going to go to the message paraphrase. But Paul continues talking about his vision for this special gift of singleness. And he says this uh, in verse 32. He says, I want you to live as free of complications as possible. Now, that's a good pastor, by the way. And that's who Paul was. He was pastoring this church at Corinth and he's letting them know, I, I don't want your life to be complicated. I don't want you living in your relationships at complication station. I want you to be free of complications as much as possible. He goes on to say, when you're unmarried, you're free to concentrate on simply pleasing the master. So, so you've got some time on your hands, more, more time than when you're married. He goes on to say, because when you're married, it involves you in all the nuts and bolts of domestic life. And in wanting to please your spouse, which is what you ought to want to do if you're married, by the way, and leading to, to so many more demands on your attentions. So Paul's pointing out the difference here that when you're single, you have time to, to put towards pleasing God. And, and when you're married, you've got to take a lot of that time and that energy to put towards your marriage. And in fact, he says the time and energy that married people spend on caring for and nurturing each other, the unmarried can spend. They don't have to, but they can spend. This is an option, can spend in becoming whole and holy instruments of God. I'm trying to be helpful and make it as easy as possible for you, not make things harder. Man, you got to look at some a verse like that and just love Paul's pastoral heart. He wants good things for you. He wants things that are better for you in the same way that God desires them. And as your pastor, that's what I want for you too. And so let me just go back to that verse. Let me show you four things that Paul outlines. He gives this vision for the gift of singleness. And the first thing he said, he wants you to live life as free of complications as possible. Well, let me say it this way. I believe that Paul would say that he wants you to live a life that is single and simple. Man, I really like that. Now, let me be clear and tell you that I don't believe that simple means easy. I don't think that there's, there's anything easy at any stage, whether you're single or married or divorced. Like, I think that it all can be very difficult, but, but, but Paul is, what he's saying is not that, that single life would be easy. What he's saying is that, that the simple life, excuse me, means this focused season. So single and simple means living a life where you are in a focused season. And I think it's important to understand the signs and the times and the actions that are required for the season that you're in. In fact, that was a priority in the scriptures. It talks about the sons of Issachar who understood the times. In Ecclesiastes 3, 1, it says this, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. So your simple focus this season, I will tell you and, and define it for you. And what Paul is speaking about specifically here is developing who you are. You want to live single and simple? Make sure that you're spending this time developing who you are. You know, during my, my single years, which is pre-marriage and post-divorce, I, I took classes. I, I invested in personal development. I took leadership classes. I, I traveled. 
I focused on developing professionally. I tried lots of different careers and tried my different, my hands at different things, even, even completely changed a career and, and, and went in, in, in a, in a, a, a total different direction that I, I had never gone in my life before. Developed spiritually, worked on developing my character. Like goodness gracious, that in those seasons, I worked on developing me and who I was because by the way, you can do that in any season of your life. You can do that in single. You can do that in marriage. You can do that in divorce. You can do that in, in any stage, no matter what you are, no matter what your marital status is. But it's easier to develop who you are when you're single. Let me say that again. You can develop who you are in any season, and you ought to be. Growth should be one of those values that you have. Personal growth, professional growth, growth in character, growth spiritually. Like We should be growing daily and spending time doing it, growing in our relationship with God, growing in our relationship with others. That's important. And you can do that no matter what state you're in, but it is easier to do when you are single. Single and simple. It's an opportunity. It's a gift to develop who you are. And the fruit of the effort that you uh, put into these years will impact the rest of your life. So for those of you that are, find yourself in this single season, don't be in such a hurry to get out of this season. There's a vision for your life where you can be focused and developed. The second thing Paul points out here is uh, he, he has a desire for you to please the master, that you have more time on your hands to be pleasing the master. Or I would say it this way, uh, single and seeking, single and seeking. So we've got single and simple and single and seeking if you're taking notes. And, and really what this is, is a fundamental foundation of Christianity. It's the priority of seeking God first. I've shared this, this in a series that I did a couple years back called First. Um, and I know that I've, I've used this verse plenty of times to, I, to characterize uh, our relationship with God. But Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek first His kingdom, which by the way, when the Bible talks about God's kingdom, it means his way of doing things. As a king, when a king sat on the throne, it was his way or the highway. So seek first God's way of doing things and his righteousness, with right, which by the way, righteousness just means right living. So his way of right living and all these things will be given to you as well as what the verse continues to say. But in today's culture, we want God to give us everything and then we'll seek him. Like when this changes, then I'll serve. When this changes and I get the big job and the big career and the big money and I, and I get married, then I'll do insert whatever. We, we want everything first, and then we'll seek God. But the Bible reverses that on its head. And it says that your opportunity in this season, specifically in the, the gift of singleness, is to build a value that you have for the rest of your life. That value is prioritizing his ways for right living. We need to build our lives on those kind of things because man, if you think it's complicated now, wait until you get married, wait until you have kids. Paul even points out that your time and your energy are gonna be spent on having a marriage, pouring into your kids, pouring into your family, pouring into your life. It's complicated now in singleness, but it's complicated when you get married and you're gonna need a solid foundation to stand on then just like you need now. So that when life gets even more complicated, that we have a practice of regularly looking to God first, looking to God in our marriages, looking to God when we experience tragedy, looking to God when we have kids and need wisdom and know how to raise them or when we experience loss, 
We need to have a solid foundation to stand on when life becomes more and comp- more complicated. You know, as a few weeks ago, I was cleaning out a, an old filing cabinet and I found some old journals and a lot of these journals were full of page after page after page of, uh, of seasons when I was single. And I would, took some time to just sit and pour through those and looking at what God was saying to me then. I mean, cause man, when I was single and before marriage and before kids and before things got complicated in beautiful ways, uh, I, I spent a lot of time with the Lord alone by myself, praying, worshiping, singing, reading his word, taking notes, allowing him to speak to me. And those, I remembered those seasons and I remembered the closeness and the intimacy that I had with God. I remembered all the ways that he began to speak to me. I could see them through the notes, the prayers that I prayed, the answers that he gave to those things, the opportunities I had to minister to people, just the, the journal entries about how I was feeling and how God had sustained me through those things. All of those things built who I am today and the ways that I turn to God in my, in my relationships and in every area of my life. And honestly, I treasure that time. I treasure those seasons of singleness. Though they were hard, they were full of God's presence. And I understood the psalmist David as he wrote, and as I prioritized God, he said this in Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And I just think that's beautiful. It's not that I didn't have things that I wanted, it's that I lacked nothing. Because you find when you seek him first, you find that everything you need is in him. So in this season of singleness, Let it be single and simple and single and seeking. It truly is a gift that will keep on giving all of your life. Now, the third vision that Paul casts for our single years is a vision of time and energy spent on caring for your spouse. He says that it can be spent serving the master. And so let's say this, let's say single and serving. You single people have more discretionary time now than you're ever going to have again. In fact, it's not possible for you to create time or to create energy, but it is possible to change the way you utilize that time. And you have the opportunity more than anybody else in any other status of their life to point it at what you want. Because when you're married, you have an increase of responsibilities. There's maybe even children that come along your way. And and it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of energy to please your spouse and to please your family and to care for them well. And you get to serve with what you have left. I remember personally me that that after the divorce, I was a single dad with full custody of my twin infant boys. And it was complicated. Man, it was hard. But serving was important to me. And I only had a few hours a month that I could give to my church as a result of being a single dad with these kids. But pre-marriage, man, when I was single, I didn't have kids. I was able to serve in my youth ministry at my church and to make an impact in ways that I'd never even imagined. In fact, I tallied the hours and on a weekly basis, I was spending 30 plus hours invested in young people to make a difference in their lives during that season on top of having a 40 hour a week job. Now, I have no expectation of you single people, by the way, as you sit there and listen to that. I knew I had a call for ministry and I was pursuing that as best I knew how at that age. Uh, in my 18, 19, is in my 20s. And, uh, and, and so, but all I'm saying is, is that I had more discretionary time to direct towards making a difference and making an impact. And if I could be so bold as to say, and, and to be honest with you, single people, we need you. 
I think the church should be built upon the strength of the single people. I think that you have the greatest opportunity now to make a difference with this discretionary time that you have available to you. I think that, that man, you could serve in our student ministry, Ignite. I think you'd be part of our production team that is part of filming all of this and filming kids ministry and editing videos and, and, and editing the, the worship team stuff and being, or maybe being a simple church influencer with somebody that, that helps us spread the word about our online services and what we're doing and how we're making an impact or, or maybe even appearing on camera and maybe God's given you a gift to grow it and, and to be a pastor. And so there, there might be opportunities for you to deliver messages here. There might be opportunities for you to appear on Simple Church Kids, or, or not to mention all the outreach that we do. Like, I understand that there is a great temptation to focus your energy on things that simply don't matter right now. Because you're like, man, if I don't sow my wild oats now, if I don't get out there and party now, I'm not going to be able to do it later. And all that partying and all those wild oats that you sow, they, they wind up amounting to nothing. Because because you can't build a financial future on wild living. You, you can't build yourself on irresponsible living and on things that don't matter. It's crazy to me. There's a the average American male by the age of 23 years old has spent 10,000 hours playing video games. That's a staggering amount of time. Now, there's nothing wrong with video games. But if you're spending that much time on it, you need to understand there's nothing to show from doing that. It is entertainment and it's amusement. The good news is we have plenty of opportunities for you here at Simple Church. Easiest way to get involved and to begin serving is to start with Growth Track. Let us help you discover the way God has wired you and help you understand what team you could get plugged into. It might be easier. Some of you have already completed Growth Track, but because of the pandemic, you said, well, I'm not going to serve and I'm not going to find a new way to serve. And so it's time for you to start serving again. There are opportunities. We would love to help you develop a brand new skill that may alter the, the trajectory of your life. And here's why. Psalm 92, 12 through 15 says this, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. How many of you guys want to flourish? I know that I want to flourish. Planted in the house of the Lord. That means they have decided they're going to get planted in a local church. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. In other words, what the impact they do now, what they're doing to grow now will continue to produce fruit in their, in the years to come. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. Here's the thing. It's as simple as this. In your single years, Get planted where you are right now. You have no idea the doors that will open for you and the way that your life can change from you simply being planted and serving at a church. For me, post-divorce, I got planted at a church. I went back to the church that I, that I had come from. Here I am, a single dad. Life is complicated, right? But the kids pastor that I served under is the one who noticed me, noticed I wasn't married and said, you know what? I've got this great girl that you need to meet. And then he connected me with the love of my life, my bride. It's 2021, y'all. We're going to be celebrating 16 years strong. Now, I'm not telling you that this is what is going to lead to the end of your singleness. I'm telling you that if you get planted now and you live out your purposes with the time that you have, you can make a an impact. You can make a difference and develop at the same time. And the church, honestly, we need you. So single and simple. You have a focused life that is focused on developing who you are now. Single and seeking. Making God your priority relationship, man. Making his ways of living 
uh, or his ways of right living a priority for you. And single and serving, get planted, make a difference now. And here's the last one. It's the vision of being whole and holy. Or maybe just say it like this. It's being single and secure. I, mean, I believe Paul's vision for us at starting with starting at simple is to lead to a secure life. It's a life that is built on truth, not the shifting culture of the world. Your life will be different because of it. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 7, verse 24 and 25. He said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. In other words, it's not a foundation that's going to shift. It's not a foundation that's going to change. It is truth. It is reliable, a firm foundation. He said, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. And man, that bedrock is Jesus Christ. Listen to me, single people. You're going to need a solid foundation for the days that are coming ahead. The bad days that are coming. You're like, Aaron, please be positive. And I am positive. Bad days are coming. But you say, but Aaron, the Bible says that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And yes, I celebrate that with you. And I believe that as well. But the Bible says it won't prosper. It doesn't say that it's not coming. In fact, it tells you that it is, that the weapon is going to be formed, that the enemy is going to attempt, that there are going to be bad days coming. And when those days come, when the storm hits, you better be standing on something firm. Otherwise, the shifting sand of culture will have a swiping right just to feel something, watching pornography for temporary pleasure, and lowering our standards, doing things that bring shame, just to feel fill a void that we sense. These things that we try to fill that void in our hearts and lives with, they only fill them temporarily. They always leave us empty. They always hurt. They always uh, leave that void and a longing still so that we have to return to it over and over and over again. Jesus is the only thing that can fill that void that you'll never, ever, ever be thirsty again. Jesus even tells us that he said, I'm the living water, drink of me, you'll never thirst again. In other words, that void will be filled. So we have to stop accepting a substitute. We have to stop accepting the lies of the enemy and we have to trust God's way. And again, to be clear, what I'm not saying to you is that to get to secure, to get to a place where you are single and secure is how you exit the single life. I don't think it's a goal for transition. I think it's a goal for life so that when you transition, you transition better. Because let me tell you something, there is pain ahead if you try to go from an insecure single life to an insecure married life. I promise you, you are now bringing that insecurity and the pain that you bring with that and the complication that you bring with an insecurity being a person who is not whole and complete on their own, who is not standing on a firm foundation, a rock that is Jesus Christ. You enter into that marriage relationship and it complicates things even more. In fact, Dr. Les Parrott said this. He said, if you try to build the intimacy with another person before you have gotten whole on your own, all your relationships become an attempt to complete yourself. The truth of the matter is that the two halves don't make a whole. To complete, secure people make a whole. To become one, not half and half, but two wholes can become one and become something greater than themselves, which is what God intended for you in a marriage relationship. And hear me now, God wants to do this work in your life. 
and he wants to continue to do it. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And he wants you to enjoy the gift of single and simple, single and seeking, single and serving, and single and secure. I get it, single people. I've been there. It's complicated, but it doesn't have to be. Amen, everybody? Let's pray. Father, today, I just lift up our single people. They are in a complicated season that has led to uh, hurt, has led to despair, has led to them feeling trapped. And today, I pray that, that this message would speak to the lies that they have been fed, the lies that they have maybe even unintentionally or unwittingly believed. My prayer today is that in their singleness, they would choose to trust you, to yield to your ways for right living. In fact, if you're single here today and you've been struggling in this season, what you need most is to place your trust in God. So here's my challenge to you. No matter where you're at, maybe if you're in the online campus and you wanna say it out loud and you wanna share it with everybody, maybe just type these three words, I trust you. Or if you're just by yourself, just hold your hands out here, close your eyes and say this simple prayer to God. I trust you. I trust you. Ask him to lead you to enjoy the gift of singleness. Father, I pray that they would begin to see your plan and your purpose in it, and then begin to lead the way. And then Lord, I pray for our church, that as a church, we would open our hearts and open our lives to include single people, to be committed to doing life with them and supporting them in the gift of singleness that you have given to them. God, may we focus on your work in their lives and not their marital status. And for those of you that are here today, here we're talking about the beauty of the single life. And the kind of life that I'm describing requires one thing that some of you may be missing, and that's a relationship with God. Some of you find yourself here today, quite on purpose, I promise you, hearing this message, because what you need most is a bedrock to stand on. It is God's ways, and those ways are discovered and known through His Son, Jesus. In fact, you may be here in this place where you're like, Aaron, I'm ready to seek God. And I need you to know this, that God has been seeking and pursuing after you all of your life. He loves you so much. He cares so much for you that I, I, I've heard it said this way. And I love this saying that, that if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. He loves you that much. And he is passionately pursuing you. In fact, he loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to live a perfect and sinless life, to give his life as a substitute, a sacrifice for our own. Because all of us were born with sin, and that sin demands payment. It demands death. It demands our lives. Eternal separation from God is the only way we could pay that price. But God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to give his life as a ransom for you to pay that price so that we could be forgiven, we could be restored in relationship with God, our sins washed away, not just covered, not just hidden, but gone. <laughs> and God gives you the ultimate redo, the ultimate restart. And then he gives you his power to live the life that he has for you by placing his Holy Spirit inside of you. Man, this is a powerful gift and an incredible demonstration of God's love that he has put on display pursuing you today. The only thing you have to do is just receive it. It's a gift, like what you get at Christmas time. The way we receive it is just by acknowledging what Jesus has done, declaring him as Lord. Say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. 
Show me how to live for you. And we're going to do that here in just a moment. In fact, if you're in our online campus or, or in one of our online uh, YouTube or on Facebook, uh, there, there's a way for you to indicate, hey, I'm making this decision today. You can click on, on the digital connect card and mark that spot. I said yes to Jesus. If you're in our online campus, you can click a button that says, I'm raising my hand. Like there's a way for you to express it today. And I'm urging you to do that. Click that button. Say, I'm saying yes to Jesus and pray this prayer along with me right now. Say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life today. Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. Transform my life. Show me how to live for you and to tell others about you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man, today I celebrate with you. All of heaven is celebrating with you if you made that decision. Again, I'm asking you, make the second best decision today. Click that connect card. Click the button that says, I said yes to Jesus and share your information with us. We just wanna help you, guide you on what your next steps are. We wanna welcome you into our, our family. You belong here with us no matter what you've done, no matter your background. Amen, everybody. Welcome them to the family and please make sure you take that step. We would love to be your church. And if we can't be your church because it's too far away uh, and, and, and you're, you're looking for something local, we'd love to help you find a church that you would love being a part of, but you need to get planted and be part of it. Amen, everybody? All right, well, as we wrap up today's service, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, I'm encouraging you to, to be part of helping someone get connected with this message. The greatest thing you can do, specifically in this pandemic season where people are, a lot of, a lot of people have not returned to church and there's a lot of people that are looking for the opportunity to go back to church. But in this online environment, one of the greatest ways you can continue to help the gospel be spread so that people can know God is simply by clicking a button that says share. Share this message. Share it on your Facebook. Share it on your Instagram. Share it on your Twitter. Share it with somebody, I promise you, there is somebody out there today that needs to hear this message and they're waiting on you to make a decision to be part of, of influencing their life and sharing this message on your show, social media. You can email it to somebody. You can text it to somebody. You can invite somebody to come over and watch it with you. They need to be impacted by it and they're waiting on you. They're waiting on you to answer and to say, yes, Lord, I'll share. Not just this message, but all of them. Be part of sharing the gospel and making sure that people hear a message of hope in a time of uncertainty. Amen, everybody? Awesome. Well, as we wrap up, here's an opportunity for you to give. Ways to do that are on the screen right now. You can give digitally. You can give snail mail. Uh, we appreciate your faithfulness and all that you're giving. Uh, it, Man, it's <laughs> making an incredible difference in this season, and I can't wait to share more ways with you about that. Thank you for your faithfulness. Know that if you're a guest with us, you're under no obligation to give. Uh, we're just thankful that you're here with us and we pray that you'll not only make that decision to follow Jesus today, be part of our congregation, get involved, get planted, uh, but also invite somebody to join you next weekend and then come back next weekend uh, as well as we continue in week three of this series and the message called Becoming One. We're gonna talk to the married people next week. God bless you all. I love you. We'll see you soon.